0: Our two nations are allies in this battle. And next year will be a turning point, I know it, the point when Ukrainian courage and American resolve must guarantee the future of our common freedom, the freedom of people who stand for their values. Well, good morning and happy Thursday, folks. Rob Breckenridge with you. That was a remarkable scene yesterday. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky uh, speaking to a joint session of the U.S. Congress uh, receiving a roaring standing ovation. Uh, following a meeting in a joint press conference with U.S. President uh, Joe Biden, just a, a remarkable scene to have Ukraine's president not just leave the country, but be able to visit Washington, D.C. And I think it sends a really strong message, certainly not the kind of message that Vladimir Putin wants to be receiving. There's obviously a continued commitment of American support and some announcements to that end yesterday. Uh, But obviously that could have been made without uh, President Zelensky visiting Washington, D.C. Again, there was something hugely powerful and symbolic about that visit. Uh, So I want to start the conversation there this morning to talk about why it was important for Zelensky to visit Washington, what message that sent and where this is all going from here. While well, joining us to discuss uh, those issues, very pleased to welcome to the program here this morning, Dr. Alexander Linoska, who's uh, an assistant professor of international relations at the University of Waterloo, also author of the book Military Alliances in the 21st Century. Dr. Linoska, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program.
1: Thank you for having me back on the program.
0: Uh, let me just get your thoughts on just how significant this was and, and why it was so important in your view for Zelensky to visit Washington, D.C.
1: It was certainly significant. This was his first uh, foreign travel since the 24th of February when Russia launched its massive full-scale invasion of Ukraine. He was able to demonstrate that he can certainly um, maintain Ukraine's resolve and determination in resisting uh, Russia's military aggression. He got a new package to the tune of about $1.85 billion worth of various uh, military equipment, including uh, tens of thousands of artillery rounds and ammunition that Ukraine will find very useful. But it's also very symbolically important precisely because at the moment, this is a very difficult winter. There are parts of the country that go without electricity, at least for long stretches of the day. And so this is certainly a big psychological boost.
0: Yeah, it certainly is. Was was some of this aimed at, I don't know how much of it would have been aimed at, at you know, an audience back in, in Ukraine. I think they're well aware of uh, what it is they're dealing with. But to an American audience, to a global audience, a, a message aimed as well as mentioned at, uh, at a Russian audience, I assume.
1: Right. So this is certainly a visit aimed at multiple audiences. It's aimed at the Ukrainian audience, It shows that. The leadership is still delivering on uh, being able to uh, uh, receive military assistance, It's that psychological boost I just mentioned. It's also a message to American lawmakers, particularly ahead of the Republicans, taking somewhat control of the House of Representatives in January. There's some uncertainty as to how much support. Uh, Congress will provide Ukraine, although I think that concerns are a little overstated. And certainly it's a message to uh, Russia insofar as it demonstrates that uh, the United States and Ukraine are pretty much resolved in seeing through Ukraine being able to uh, achieve battlefield success after battlefield success.
0: What's your sense of of where things are at? Obviously, you know, the Russian offensive has had all kinds of problems, but it feels like we're at a bit of a a stalemate here. What's your sense?
1: At the end of the day, Ukraine is still fighting Russia. It's a massive country with large artillery advantages. So I don't think we should necessarily dismiss the military threat that Russia presents, even though it has been flailing on the battlefield, not least because of the issues associated with the conscripts that have been arriving since September. But my sense is that notwithstanding the energy shortages that have been... Um, creating difficulties for the Ukrainian population Uh, this winter, the Ukrainian army retains the initiative. They might not necessarily take a counteroffensive to regain or to liberate uh, territory in the very near future, but they very well could, uh, precisely because the Russian forces have to ban a very long defensive line. Their morale is very low. They do suffer from equipment shortages. And when the ground freezes, that could certainly create new opportunities for the Ukrainian military to uh, take up the initiative once again.
0: You know, and there was some talk yesterday, and certainly I think there's an openness from uh, President Zelensky to to talk about peace. But I, I think he certainly understands and hopefully American leadership understands just how delicate this is. Anything that, that forces Ukraine to hand over territory to Russia or allows Russia to buy time to, to, to build up their forces once again to come back in Ukraine, that's not peace. So wh- where do we stand on that?
1: I personally have trouble envisioning a peace, one that certainly would be enduring so long as Vladimir Putin remains in power. The Russian leadership has continued to articulate very maximalist objectives. They are now proposing new military measures to raise the age of conscription and to bolster the manpower of the Russian forces in a way that suggests that they're certainly in it for the long haul. And so precisely because of those Issues that you've mentioned, that their promises might not necessarily be very credible, that they might simply regroup in the event of any sort of ceasefire, then the uh, need for Ukraine to continue fighting still remains.
0: Right. And, you know, it wasn't just, uh, you know, Biden and Zelensky meeting this week. There was a meeting of two other presidents, of course. Uh, Putin and Lukashenko met this week. and, And the concern that Russia is going to drag Belarus into this is, how likely is that, in your view?
1: That has been a concern articulated since the full-scale invasion began in February. And to be sure, Russia has been using Belarusian territory as a staging ground for launching not only ground assaults on Ukraine, but also missile and aerial strikes. That being said... Belarus has a lot to lose by participating directly in any ground operations against Ukraine. The Belarusian rank and file could very well uh, mutiny and desert. Uh, The fighting condition of the Belarusian armed forces is very questionable, perhaps even more questionable than the Russian armed forces, and precisely because The core interest of the Belarusian leadership is to retain power. After all, Lukashenko has been president since the early 1990s. There could very well be um, his leadership at stake if he decides to enter the ground war against Ukraine. So I suspect that um, there won't be much movement there, but I certainly also expect Russia to amp up the pressure on Belarus all the same.
0: Now, in the meantime, where, where does Canada fit in here? I mean, we, we've certainly been supportive of Ukraine, maybe not as supportive in terms of actual physical uh, you know, support to, to Ukraine and providing military assistance. But I mean, are, are we doing what we can or, or is there more something different you think uh, Canada could be doing right now?
1: Well, to be sure, Canada has proven providing a lot of necessary financial assistance that Ukraine finds very useful and for which it's very grateful. It is true that there are hard limits as to what Canada could provide militarily to Ukraine, in part because Canada has, frankly, neglected its military capabilities. And so it does not really actually have that much it can really provide right. Ukraine precisely because it has neglected those capabilities. But... To be sure, Canada still is doing quite a bit, um, and and uh, I don't think that should necessarily be downplayed. But it's taking more of the form of financial and humanitarian assistance than, say, the military assistance that other NATO countries are much more prominent in giving. Right. So
0: there is that. There's the support for Ukraine. Obviously, there's this continued need for a united front against Russia, ensuring that sanctions are meaningful, going after Russian oligarchs, uh, continuing things on that side. I mean, if we're able to hold to this, if if support for Ukraine continues, the sanctions are obviously starting to have an impact on on Russia. I mean, how optimistic are you that we'll see continued progress in the first half of 2023?
1: I, I suspect that 2023 will be a better year. Then 2022 for Ukraine. 2022 was brutal, absolutely brutal, notwithstanding the successes that the Ukrainian armed forces have had over the course of the last uh, seven, eight months, or really since the Battle of Kyiv in March. I still suspect it's going to be better uh, militarily for Ukraine precisely because Russia is on the back foot. The Russian economy, uh, for its part, is going to experience even more strain. We're seeing the ruble depreciate on international markets, even though it's not exactly trading. Um, The Russian uh, gas exports and oil exports are collapsing, which will have implications for the revenue stream for the Kremlin. That's not to say that the Kremlin is going to be quick to negotiate. It won't, but certainly it's going to face even more constraints than it has already.
0: We'll leave it there. Appreciate the uh, insight and analysis, uh, Dr. Lenoska. Appreciate it. Thanks again. Thank you very much. All the best. There you go. That's Dr. Alexander Lenoska, professor, uh, assistant professor of international relations at the University of Waterloo. His thoughts on uh, the remarkable scenes yesterday in Washington D.C. The uh, Ukrainian president and the American president standing shoulder to shoulder. Of course, this uh, speech as well to a joint session of Congress and arousing standing ovation. It was all quite something. This was uh, U.S. President Joe Biden yesterday uh, standing alongside President Zelensky.
1: Ukraine has won the Battle of Kyiv, has won the Battle of Kherson, has won the Battle of Kharkiv. Ukraine has defied Russia's expectations at every single turn. We also know that Putin has no intention, no intention of stopping this cruel war. And the United States is committed to ensuring that the brave Ukrainian people can continue, continue to defend their country against Russian aggressions as long as it takes. And I want to thank the members of Congress and their, for their broad bipartisan support to Ukraine. And I look forward to signing the omnibus, omnibus bill soon, which includes $45 billion, $45 billion in additional funding for Ukraine.